Let's pray. Father God, what a friend we have in Jesus. Someone that's there through the hard times, through the troubles. It's carrying us every step of the way. God, this morning as we study your word, may you draw us to your heart. May we hear from your spirit this morning in new and fresh ways. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning. How's everyone doing? Good, good. Well, I, I think about this last song that we sang, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. And I think about the troubles and the question that it asks. Anyone dealing with troubles in here? Anyone know of anyone dealing with troubles in here? Yeah. Two hands raised. Well done. Yeah, I think many of us understand the idea of going through trials. As I was preparing for this message, uh, every time I, I begin preparing for a message, it's always an opportunity for God to work on me. And as God led me to this passage, I thought about it and went, I don't want to talk about troubles, God. I, I don't want to have to deal with them. But I know that they're good. And I know that you have something good for us to say in your word today. And and yesterday I had the opportunity to go with my daughter down to, uh, down to the Natural, Natural History Museum. They have an uh, insect and spider exhibit, and um, my daughter loves bugs, and she loves, I mean, this was dinosaur bones, and she got to dig for dinosaur bones, and it was a fun time. But it, it reminded me of my time down at USC, and reminded me of uh, the streets around there, and the potholes that exist. <laughs> I, I was... I was vividly brought back to uh, the driving around there and having to avoid these large potholes. And I don't know if you remember, but uh, actually out on uh, Chesboro or Palo Camado or whatever it's called right here, um, on the overpass of the freeway, there used to be a big giant pothole as you came over. It used to be a big, a big drop. And I remember coming in, I come in that way to work and just having to avoid it until they fixed it. And I thought about this idea of what happens when, when you are driving and you see a pothole. You, you avoid it, right? You, you, you steer your car around it and, and try to avoid it because when you hit it, what, what tenses up? I mean, your whole body tense. When you hit that, you, the shake in your car and the, the slam of that pothole makes an impression upon you. And so you try to avoid these. But what happens when you can't? What happens when you don't? When in our lives, potholes exist. As we've gone along, things like losing your job, things like the U.S. economy, the world economy, things like losing a loved one, things like being given a project that you're not ready for and that you have a thousand other things going on at work and you're just added to your list, things like the stress of going through the airport security and dealing with that. Stress of illnesses and pains and aches as we get older. I thought about this idea of what happens when we hit the potholes? What happens when we can't avoid them any longer? And like LA, there are so many of them that you kind of just have to shoot for the best potholes. And what happens when you miss that and you don't see it quite soon enough and you hit it? Scripture talks about that. And I think. 
at this church here, I think we've hit some potholes over the last couple of years. I think for many of us that have been here a while, we've, we've experienced in a church setting the idea of, of what it's like to hit a pothole and the grieving that takes place and, and the, the frustration and, and things like that. And what does Scripture say? Pastor Roland spent several weeks on a, a series called Overcomers Win, and um, I was processing through that message and thinking, what a great opportunity, because I don't know if you read the last part of the Bible, but God wins in the end. He wins. And that's our hope. That's the hope and glory that we have as followers of him. <laughs> he wins. But in this life, we're going to hit potholes. If you open up your Bibles with me to James chapter 1, we're going to look at some verses this morning talking about what happens when we hit the potholes. Because as you think about life and you think about going through these issues, I think about what Jesus talked about. In Luke chapter 8, he talks about the farmer going out and how the kingdom of heaven is like this farmer going out and casting seed and he casts it upon four different soils. He casts it upon the hard path. He casts it upon the rocky soil. He casts it upon the weedy, thorny soil. And he casts it upon the good soil. And I've been a pastor long enough to see what Jesus was talking about in those four different soils and experience different people and their hearts, and experience of what exactly Jesus was saying when it comes to those soils representing the hearts of people. And oftentimes I have led many to the Lord, and they've been really excited. And, and I've seen this more often than not in our world today, is that people tend to fall in the category of the thorny soil, that they grow up really fast, and they grow up really well, and all of a sudden the cares and the issues of this world grow up with them and choke them out and cause them to die. I've seen this in students. I've seen this in adults that come to know the Lord, and the second, boom, they hit the pothole. They ask the question, why God? Why me? And they go, well, if I have to ask that question, then God must not even exist, and so I'm just done with this. I'm done with following Jesus. And James looks at it from a different perspective. And it's a perspective that is a radical perspective from our world and our culture today. If you look, verses 1 and 2 says this, This letter is from James, a slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. I am writing to the twelve tribes, Jewish believers scattered abroad. Greetings. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles come your way, Consider it an opportunity for great joy. Many versions say, Consider it all joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. I read this verse, and you probably have read this verse many, many, many times. And I underlined one word specifically in my Bible. It's the word when. I don't know about you, but that word... I don't like very much. I don't like it when it's talking about troubles. Because it's not a matter of if troubles are going to happen. It's a matter of when troubles are going to happen. And this morning I want to take three 
points as we look at troubles in our lives and we look at hitting those potholes because it's not a matter of if we're going to hit potholes. It's a matter of when. What are we going to do? The first point I want to make is that we need to expect that we're going to hit potholes. In our culture today, many preachers get up and they preach Jesus, which is awesome and amazing. But then they say things like, and you're going to have a wonderful life. And people interpret that like, wow, I'm going to have lots of money and I'm not going to have any issues and I'm not going to deal with any pain and I'm not going to go through any struggles whatsoever. All my temptations that I've been struggling with up until now, now that I have Jesus, gone. I see this in students. I see this oftentimes where students have been struggling with things, addictions, and they come to know Jesus and they go, oh, well, I shouldn't be addicted to alcohol or drugs anymore because I have Jesus in my life. It's not a matter of having a wonderful life. It's a matter of we can consider it all joy because in the end, God wins. We need to expect that as we go through life, we're going to face trials of many kinds. We're going to face temptations and we're going to face pain and anguish. But we need to expect them. Many of you know about my, my children and the, both of their premature births. With Katie, she spent six weeks in the NICU when she was first born. She was three pounds, 13 ounces. And, uh, and she spent six weeks. And it was six weeks of a trial for my wife and I. Having to leave a hospital in a wheelchair without a baby. It's a difficult thing for a mother, but it's a difficult thing for a husband to try to comfort a wife that leaves her baby behind. And to go back and forth multiple times a day to see our daughter. But in those six weeks, we were able to lead one of the nurses to the Lord. Brought her to church. We just recently had her over to our house for a garage sale. She's moving. And she came over and we got to spend some time with her. So as we faced our second pregnancy with Joshua, and we knew that we were going to go back to the hospital early. We were going back 15 weeks before he was due. My wife and I, we looked at each other in the car on the drive and said, God did some amazing things. Last time, while we were in the NICU. We're going to face a trial right now. But we need to expect that God's going to do amazing things. And that became our prayer as we were driving over to Los Robles. Now, every time we went into that NICU, we expected God was going to do something amazing. My son was born two pounds, three ounces. He was the size of a Barbie doll. His hand fit within the tip of my finger. He was small. He was on a ventilator for a couple months. Hooked up to tubes, hooked up to monitors. Monitors are going off. But we expected God to do amazing things. And as we kept going, our perspective changed as we would go to the NICU. It became a joy to go to the NICU because... We were no longer going for Josh, really. We were going to see what God had for us with the nurses and the people that we were experiencing. 
I remember one night I showed up late and went in and I spent a couple hours sitting at the incubator of my son, talking with the respiratory therapist and the nurse who, it was an odd night and they were slow that night and so they sat down and we just chatted, the three of us. I got to hear about their life story. I got to hear about the pain and anguish from this respiratory therapist. I went in with that with an expectation that God was going to do amazing things. It was a different perspective. And I think in our culture today, we need to have a different perspective on trials. We need to expect them, but not out of fear. God talks about this expectation in Ephesians chapter 6. If you flip back a couple books. Ephesians chapter 6 Verses 10 and following, it says this, A final word, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but, we, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. We're going to face battles, folks. We're going to hit those potholes. We're going to have trials. The question I have for you is, are you ready? Because then it describes this. Verse 13, Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor or breastplate of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now this passage is a sermon in and of itself describing the different pieces. But the main emphasis that I want to put on here is that God's equipped us. He's given our spiritual car beefy tires to handle those potholes. It's not a matter of do we put on these pieces of armor. It's a matter of we must put on these pieces of armor daily. When you get up in the morning and you face this world, are you equipping your spiritual body with God's protection that he's given us to face the potholes we're going to experience that day? If you flip back to James, many of us, us, I don't know if you've ever had the opportunity to wear armor. I've never had the opportunity, but all I know is that it's probably heavy. And oftentimes in our life, we, we decide, oh, it's, it's not worth putting on this armor today. I'm just going to go with it. It's much easier. And we've got to spend the time each and every day putting on this armor because we're going to face these trials. But there's a reason. Oftentimes, as I said, people ask, why God? The better question and the question that I learned to ask myself is that when I know I'm facing a trial, the question is, God, what do you want to teach me? What do you want to do in my life as I go through this trial? And the second point that I want to make is God wants us to grow as we go through trials. 
As we go through these potholes, we, we're expected to grow. Verses 3 and following, it says this, For you know that when your faith is tested, when you go through those trials, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Now many of you have translation of endurance as patience or perseverance. But as you're going through trials, are you growing your perseverance? Are you growing your patience? Are you growing that endurance and able to carry on? The word itself in the Greek is hupome, hupome, meaning to bear or remain underneath, to remain underneath. The idea that I like to get is a bench press, laying on your back, lifting that heavy weight, and you take it down to your chest and you push back up. That's the idea that I get, that struggle as your muscles are shaking, as you're trying to push this weight, remaining underneath it. If you drop it, it's going to hurt. But you're remaining underneath and continuing to push and press until it's all the way back up. Hupome. Are you remaining underneath? God gives us the opportunity to grow that endurance so that it is fully developed and you'll be perfect and complete, needing Nothing. Now, I don't know about you, but oftentimes I, I think as I'm going through this trial, God, teach me this, but can you do it quickly? Because I just want to get out of it. I just want, I mean, any, anyone else relate? Yeah, I just, God, I know you're teaching me something. Just, can, can we speed it up here? Can, can you teach me a little bit faster? And I was thinking about that process and thinking about what, what that's like, cutting corners and and asking God to cut corners in our lives because it, it feels better to us. It's like the parachute company. And I was asking the college students on Thursday night what their greatest adventure was, and one of the students actually went skydiving. It's beyond me. I've, I do not have a desire. It's not going to be on any bucket list of mine to go skydiving. <laughs> but it's like a parachute company that makes parachutes. It packs them, puts them together, and their statistic is 10 out of 10 people that use our parachutes and jump out of planes land safely. That's a great parachute company. But in our economy today, what are we trying to, to speed up? Efficiency. We're trying to speed it up. And so they begin cutting corners and saving money here and there so that they can have a bigger gross margin and make more profit. And they begin to have a rate of 9 out of 10 people, 8 out of 10 people, 10 is the key. But they get all the way down to 1. And we see 1 out of 10 people, and they get excited saying, 1 out of 10 people, this is exciting, we're saving, look at all the money we're making. We've cut those corners. Makes a big difference to the other 9, doesn't it? They don't really care that they save money or that they cut those corners. And in the same way, in our spiritual lives, we can't ask God to cut corners. We need to remain under this trial because it's going to grow us. It's going to strengthen us. But we oftentimes want to seek 
a faster way of doing things. Like weight loss. For me, I understand that. I've been struggling and trying, and we do it, and we've, I've worked a lot and done different things, but it's like, God, man, I know the six-pack is underneath this fluffy exterior, but can we just make it show a little bit more? I've got a, like a keg now. I don't know what it's, I mean, the six-pack keg, I don't, I don't know what, but I'm working on that six-pack, you know, and it's a matter of it takes time. But in the same way, it doesn't just take time. It takes a diligent effort. It takes a diligent effort. If I want to lose weight, I'm going to have to be focused. I'm going to have to buckle down. I'm going to have to watch what I eat. I'm going to have to exercise more. I might even have to sacrifice sleep to get up earlier so that I can lose the weight that I want to, so that I can have the results that I want to. There's no cutting corners. We're always looking for that miracle pill. And there are many people that have said that they found that miracle pill. Don't change anything about your lifestyle. Just take this pill. The havoc it does on your stomach. That's awful. It hurts. It's painful. As you grow, physically, your muscles literally break as you work out. And the way that muscles grow is because you break your muscles and they actually repair itself and get bigger with more muscles. And it continues to grow. In the same way, our spiritual muscles, we need to work them out. We go through trials so that we can work them out, so that we can be complete and perfect, needing nothing. We need to grow through that. We need to allow our spiritual muscles to grow. So as I'm looking at, at this passage, I... I Go, okay, God, I'm, I'm working on my spiritual muscles. I'm focused on, on what you have. I'm going through this trial. I'm hitting these potholes. What are you trying to teach me, God? What do I need to learn? Help me focus on what you have for me. Let my spiritual muscles work out. I've spent more time in prayer. spent more time in God's word. Because those are the real tools that God uses to teach us to allow those muscles to grow, to work out those muscles. Prayer for me, by the way, I know I'm a pastor, but it's a hard thing for me. It's a hard thing for me to sit down and pray for an hour. I, because I, I'm, a, I'm a type A, I've got to be doing something. I mean, I'm checking email while I'm in the bathroom. I mean, I am all constantly doing, constantly needing to get things done. And God, what do you want to teach me? I, right now he's teaching me about the power of prayer. He's had to get my schedule correct. He's had to take out some things in my life that I want to do, that I love doing, so that I have time. That I'm not praying as I'm driving to and from work, but I'm spending time Deeply committed to his voice and not what I want to do. We need to grow as we go through these trials. One of my biggest prayers lately has been to pray for wisdom. And that's our third point is that as we go through trials, we need to ask. Verses 5 and following say this. If you need wisdom, 
Ask our generous God, and He will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking, but when you ask Him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver. For a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world. And they are unstable in everything they do. My big prayer has been for wisdom. And there's a big difference between wisdom and knowledge. I don't know if you, you know this, but, but wisdom is the practical application of knowledge. It's the practical application of what you've learned. And so praying and asking God for wisdom is asking God to take what you already know and actually make it practical and use it in a way that He wants you to use it. To use those muscles that He's stretching and that He's growing and that He's working out to use them in the proper, effective way. Like an athlete needs to work out and lift in a specific way in order to increase muscle mass in specific areas. You need to focus and target in on those areas. And God asks us to do that. He says, hey, you know that this is the testing. You know what my word says. Now I want you to practically apply it to your life. I want you to grow. I want you to face these trials, not because I want what's bad for you, but I want you to use the knowledge that I've given you and grow it. I want you to strive for something bigger. As we go through these trials, the trials don't get easier as we go through life. Just like an athlete doesn't lift less weight as he gets stronger, what does he do? He lifts heavier weight and heavier weight, and he keeps growing and growing. I remember my years at Westlake High School and getting up early in the morning to go to the weight room before school. During the summer, early in the morning, we had lifting. And we kept track of how much weight we were lifting each week. And we were building upon that and building upon that so that we would get stronger. And in our lives, those trials sometimes get harder and harder and harder. But it's because You've been working out in certain areas and doing well. You've been doing really well in those areas. And so that's why verse 2 says, consider it joy. God says, you know what? You're doing well. You're getting stronger. I want you to grow even more. He loves you and he cares about you. But he wants us to grow stronger, not to stay stagnant and plateau. And many times trials come up in our lives spiritually and we avoid them. We want to lift less weight. Mother Teresa said, I know that God will not give us, or give me, she said, more than I can handle. I just wish she didn't trust me so much. 
God wants you to grow. God wants you to expect those and consider it joy as you're going through trials because he's growing your faith. He's growing that endurance. He wants you to ask for wisdom. He's equipped you. And he wants you to ask for it. How do we ask for it? Well, talking to God, verbally, asking him. I don't know about you, but I've been soaping through scripture. Like Pastor Roland has been teaching us of scripture, observation, application, and prayer. And as I'm going through scripture, I'm studying it. And this is a big one for me, is the A, the application. Many times we'll just read Scripture, and that's great. But if Scripture just stays here on these pages, and it goes to our head, or it just stays here, but it doesn't impact our heart, it's no good. We're not going to grow anywhere. And so we need to be taking these passages, and we need to be going into His Word and allowing it to penetrate our heart. Allowing it to hit areas and allowing our lives to change. Because once our heart's been impacted, it's the center of all that we do. Scripture says that out of the heart, the mouth speaks. Our words are direct result of what's going on in our heart. And if we don't allow Scripture to penetrate our heart, we can't expect God to grow those spiritual muscles. And so, taking Scripture and applying it to our lives, not just reading through it on a whim, but actually spending time thinking about what did I read today and how is that going to change my life? What am I going to do differently today based upon what I've read in Scripture? And so as you've read through this and you've heard me speak about it, that's the question for you. What trial are you going through right now? What's your standpoint and what's your view been upon those trials that you've gone through? Are you expecting the potholes? Are you expecting those trials? Because they're coming. But we can consider it all joy because God wins. He's in charge of all of it and we're going to grow because of it. We're going to get stronger. We're going to become more equipped. And if we don't feel like we're equipped, we need to ask God to take the knowledge that He's given us and make it practical, and that's wisdom. We need to ask God for wisdom and applying Scripture and what He's told us in His Word to our lives. So what do you need to do today? You need to change your mindset? Do you need to see your child differently? Do you need to spend a little time with him, asking, God, give me wisdom. That's been a constant prayer of mine lately. God, give me wisdom. What is it for you? Let me pray. Heavenly Father, 
We know we're going to face trials. We know we're going to hit those potholes in life. As we go through them, God, give us a new perspective. Give us new eyes of seeing these potholes as opportunities to grow. As opportunity for our faith being tested, remaining under them, and being used by you where you placed us. Thank you for equipping us. Thank you for the armor that you've allowed us to have in you. Remind us daily to put that armor on so that we might be able to face those trials. God, and I lift up those in here this morning that are in the midst of trials, that are in the midst of pain. Help them to see this as an opportunity for growth. Help them to have fresh perspective. Help them to seek wisdom above all else, God. And as they seek, help them to not doubt, but to put their faith in you and you alone. God, may they receive hope this morning that there is light at the end of this tunnel because we have a friend like you. And in the end, God, you win. Help us to get stronger in our walk with you. Help us to apply your word to our life. If you are going through a trial right now, if you have hit that pothole and you'd like prayer, I'd love to pray for you up front. I'd love to pray with you for wisdom and that God would give that to you. And I want to leave you with a blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May He lift His countenance upon you. And this week, give you peace. Go this week. Meet someone that you don't know. Tell them that you love them. And God wins in the end. Have a great week.